Well, hello and welcome to episode number 84 of Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialize in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about goal complexity and project virtual teams. So looking at how the impact of different goal settings will change the way in which your team will work and will function. Um, as with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the Ulfire website, so please do check it out for additional information. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter, find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you with your business. So this post then is a continuation in the series. So it's a follow on from the last couple of posts that uh, that I've put out, um, looking at different facets of complexity in project environments and in virtual project environments for that matter. So in this particular one, we're going to be talking about goal uncertainty, which is a little different from the previous ones in as much as we're looking at at how the impact of the goals that are set by and within a project will change the way in which the team will communicate and which the team will be able to interact and work together. So there's, what have we got? There's four principal goal um, things which will affect this and uh, working through them one at a time we have uh, clarity of objectives so how clearly the objectives within a project are, cle- are set and defined and uh, and laid out um, biases there's all sorts of weird and wonderful biases that can impact the way that goals are, are defined and perceived by everybody decision making policies and then finally the cost scope and quality trade-off which is which is everywhere in a project environment. When you look at time, cost and quality, when you look at scope, cost and quality, that um, eternal triangle, uh, whichever iron triangle, whatever terminology you particularly choose to use for it, can become a major, a major problem. So if we look at the first one then, the clarity of objectives. Now, for most projects, it can seem, particularly when you're when you're down in the weeds on most projects, it can seem like the clarity of the project requirements are a little bit vague. To those in charge, to those people running projects, typically the, the, the clarity is there. Everybody believes that everybody knows exactly what is required within a project. But when you actually start to get down into the detail and when you start to get down, particularly in a virtual team environment where where maybe not everybody has been as fully briefed, it can become really challenging to work out just what the clarity and just what the objectives of the project are. Are you are you trying to build an um, a, a, something like an opera house, which is a which is a really landmark piece of architecture where it, where it serves many many functions? It provides a lot of branding for the environment in which it's built. Um, it it becomes a, 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 a 
in the case of the Sydney Opera House, for instance, it becomes a flagship. It becomes something that, that the location of the building itself actually takes on more of a life than the project that was that was involved in building it. Or are you building something that's purely functional, like a shopping mall or a car park or uh, or something along those lines? It can be very easy then, once you don't have that clarity, it can be very easy then to start to get confused, particularly down at the at the very functional level, over what it is you're trying to achieve. In some projects then you'll find that people will, will over-design a car park or under-design an opera house. They'll spend far more time if they believe that, that what it is they're trying to design is critically important, worrying about tiny little details where when they actually get comes down to it it doesn't matter and then on the other end they'll spend not enough time insufficient time detailing things where where they are important so it's very very important that those objectives are very clear why is the project being undertaken what are the drivers for the project what will determine if that project is a success or a failure and once those things have been communicated to everybody and communicated clearly it can become a lot easier for everybody to understand what they are and then for everybody to work together toward the common goal of completing the project. So that's clarity of objectives. And as I say, it seems obvious, but when you've got a distributed team, when you've got people scattered in many different offices around, when you've got people who come onto the project maybe for only a short period, they may not know why they're there. They've been told they're there to do a particular thing, but really they may make a lot of assumptions and those assumptions may not necessarily align with the objectives and the and the expectations of the organisation itself. So it's very important that those objectives are made clear. Now the second one is bias. Now bias again can be can be um, a, a bit of an interesting challenge in any kind of a project. There are biases around whether whether scope is more important than quality, whether whether budget is the thing that which which needs to be pursued first rather than some other part of it. There can also be biases over supplier relationships. Um, you, know, you, 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 may, you may tell a supplier that you need a particular good or item for your project. Um, you'll argue with them over price, where in reality what you need to be debating with them and agreeing with them is a particular quality or a particular finish or, or something else that needs to come with that with that project. So again, biases, um, biases between the client and between the, the person undertaking the work, between different parts of the team. Uh, one part of the team, if they're, if they're undertaking a part of the project, they may think that their part is the most important part and they may not worry so much about what other people are doing. Whereas the other people may be sitting there waiting for particular bits of detail and particular bits of information for their part. So you've got to make sure that everybody is aligned around biases and any potential biases are, are identified, they're surfaced and they're managed properly within the, within the project. Decision making processes are, oh, they can be a major problem in projects. They can be a big problem in a regular project where everybody's co-located. When you get into a project where people are distributed around in many different locations, decision-making processes and policies, if they are overly onerous or very slow, can become a major, major, major challenge in terms of just managing the timeliness of a project. If you've got to send documentation for every single decision that needs to be made from your office, wherever you may be, to 
the head office of the project or to the client's offices even, that really slows things down. You can add days, you can add weeks in terms of that process for decisions which really should be made on the ground in many cases or maybe could be could be determined really quickly over a phone call or something if you need a bit of clarity around things. You can get to the point also where people in the head office will start to um, will start to play priorities. So we go back to the biases. They'll start to they'll start to prioritise one thing over another without recognising that sometimes delaying one decision in one area may actually be more of a problem to the overall project than expediting a resolution in another area simply because they don't have that on the ground face to face visibility of what's going on within the within things so you need to have decision making processes and policies that suit the project itself not necessarily decision making processes and policies that suit the organization in which the project is being undertaken so often that means you've got to provide the project directors and project managers and the people at each location with a lot more autonomy and ability to make decisions for themselves rather than to have to go back and seek approval for those decisions, simply to ensure that the project itself meets its its time frame requirements. And then the fourth in this particular little package where we're talking about goal uncertainty is balancing cost, scope and quality in the trade-offs. And you would really add into that um, time as well, so not just scope but also the time frame for the project. Um, you know, there are sayings around the project space where it's you can have any any two out of three between time, cost and quality, but you can't have all three. So if you want to influence one, then the other two will be changed as a result of that. So they are codependent. They are not independent things. You can't, you can't um, reduce the cost without changing the scope. Or if you want to reduce the cost and maintain the scope, then your quality has to change and your timeliness often has to change as well. So there's a lot of balancing that needs to go on in there. Now, when you get into a big virtual team, managing that balance again can become exceedingly complex because because not everybody will see those changes in the same way. Um, one part of your organisation may may seek to rush something through, but if another part, so they'll, they'll try and do theirs in terms of cutting time from the project, but if another part is trying to cut cost, then their timing may actually extend. So by not having clarity around those three and how that's all managed, you may well end up that one group runs to, runs the project part that they're looking after really quickly, suddenly runs out of... and they, and they, they achieve their time frame, spend a bit of extra money, but then they have to wait until the other groups catch up with them because they're looking at time being more expansiveness maybe and and trying to keep uh, trying to keep the costs down so you've really got to make sure that you balance all three of those different facets or all four if you include time as a standalone in your um, in your planning and in the way you run your organization so as you can see is when I've when I've talked through each one of those there are they stand alone as themselves so clarity and bias and decision making and time cost and quality but they also have fairly stark impact and a fairly stark uh, challenge within that virtual environment as well. So the four of them again, clarity of objectives where you really do need to define and socialise all of the objectives of your project to avoid as much goal, goal complexity as you possibly can. 
bias where you need to identify the real and potential biases of your project and plan for how they are going to be managed within the project itself. Decision-making policies where you need to establish sensible, fit-for-purpose decision-making policies and processes for your project, not necessarily for your organisation. And cost, scope and quality trade-off where you need to consider and define holistically across the entire project how your project priorities sit around those three variables. So which two of the three are most important to your project. And if you can get those right and if you can work on those, then you stand much more of a chance of a successful outcome to your project and hopefully everything will work at least less badly if, uh, if, that's, if that's such a way to express these things. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope there's been something useful in there. If you have, then please do check us out. We're at www.ulfire.com.au And of course, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed keep up to date with future episodes. Thank you very much.